0: There was a man who was being chased by a lion and every time he looked back, he could see that the lion was gaining on him. So in desperation, he cried out, Lord, make this lion a Christian. And to his utter amazement, the lion slowed down and then stopped altogether, It sat down, folded its paws and closed its eyes and began moving its lips as if in prayer. The astonished man came closer to hear what it was the lion was praying. And he was just in time to hear the lion say, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. There's nothing quite like a crisis, is there, to get us praying. When we have a problem, it's amazing how quickly we move from self-reliance and we cry out to God. We we uh, look to God to help us. And we're in the middle of a national crisis at the moment. And maybe you found yourself in this last week praying more than you would normally or perhaps praying in a way that you've never prayed before. Maybe you're watching today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you wouldn't identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and you never pray or you rarely ever pray, only in those emergency kind of situations. I remember meeting a man in Hereford where we used to live um, and he served in the Royal Navy during the war and the ship that he served on was torpedoed in the North Atlantic. And everybody, he said that night, as the ship was going down and they were sinking, they were in the water that night and he said there were no atheists in the water. Everyone was praying for God to save them that night. When we're faced with a crisis, it often drives us to our knees in prayer, doesn't it? Because then in those moments we realise our own limitations and we realise that we need God's help. Now over the last few weeks here at Regent we've been studying the book of Exodus, the book Exodus in the Bible. It's the second book in the Bible. And we've seen how the Israelites were set free from their slavery in Egypt and how God led them on their way to the promised land. And we followed them as they went through the Red Sea miraculously. And then how God uh, miraculously provided all their needs for them from heaven by sending uh, manna, this bread from heaven. And today we've reached the next point in the account. We've reached what was another major crisis moment in their journey. And once again, they desperately needed God's help. And so they prayed, or rather, one man in particular prayed, Moses, their leader. So we're gonna read from Exodus 17 uh, in a moment or two. If you've got a Bible with you, if you wanna turn with it, and uh, if not, you can just listen to me as I read. Um, But if you've got a Bible there, just wanna turn to it, we're gonna read from Exodus 17. We're gonna read from verse eight through to verse 16. And this is what it says. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne the lord the lord will be at war against the amalekites from generation to generation so the israelites as we read here found themselves in a whole new crisis and the amalekites who were a tribe who were distantly related to the israelites uh, as the israelites passed through their territory the amalekites descended on them and tried to wipe them out tried to kill them for no reason they weren't provoked but they decided to do this and if you look at verse 8 it says this the amalekites came and attack the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, if you're watching from Regent, you will have had an email this week and you'll have had the outline and uh, you can use the outline to follow along. If you've printed it off, you can uh, uh, follow along in the outline. You can fill in the bits uh, as we go along. If you haven't, that's totally fine, but the verses will come up on the screen and you might wanna make some notes and that's uh, fine as well if if you find that helpful. In fact, if you come to Tesco or to ASDA around, about here, what you'll find is that most of my sermon outlines each Sunday end up in the shopping trolleys as shopping lists, but that's another story. Anyway, if you find them useful, uh, fill them in as we go along. So verse eight says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. The Israelites were in now, or were in what we now call uh, Saudi Arabia, and they were traveling towards Mount Sinai. And as they were traveling, the Amalekites attacked them. And it was a particularly nasty attack. If we look elsewhere in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 25, it tells us what happened. And it says this, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out. They met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. So the Amalekites came in for no reason and they attacked the Israelites, choosing to focus on the rear of this massive, big, long marching column. There's around two and a half million Israelites. They're working their way through the desert. And as the older folk and the most vulnerable people, the weakest who were at the back of this column, were the the most at at risk, the Amalekites came down and they attacked them first. This was a massive issue for the Israelites. The Amalekites had killed some of the most vulnerable Israelites and now they were poised to turn their attention to the rest of the people. They'd escaped from Egypt. The, the, the Israelites had escaped miraculously from Egypt. They'd gone through the Red Sea. They'd been miraculously fed from heaven, but now this was a whole new threat and it was every bit as serious. And Moses' response to this is crucial and it's crucial for us to learn from today. Look at what happened. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. They were going to defend themselves, but Moses was going to pray. Moses went to the top of a nearby hill and with the staff of God in his hands, he lifted his hands to heaven in prayer. Moses knew that they faced a massive challenge, a major challenge, a powerful, a dangerous army was going to wipe them out or was trying to wipe them out. And so Moses' response was to pray to God. And today, three and a half thousand years later, as followers of Jesus, those who are seeking to honor him and live by his word day by day, we need to learn from that example of Moses because our first response to the crisis that we face in our life should be to do the same as Moses. Not to go up on the top of the hill and pray to the Lord, but to pray. That should be our first response. So write that on your outline this morning. Our first response to the crises that we face in our lives should, should be to pray to the Lord, to come to God in prayer and pray to Him. So often, when we face a problem in life, we try all sorts of responses and we go to all sorts of different places and people uh, with our problems rather than coming to God Himself. So often, when we face a problem in life, we try all sorts of responses. And so often our very last response, if all else fails, is to get on our knees to pray. But it should be our first response. The Lord knows all about our problems and issues of our life. He knows everything about us before we even tell him. And if we've trusted in Jesus, then he's our father. And as our father, he longs for us to come to him and to tell him what's going on. He's the God of the universe. After all, the one and only God, the one who created you, who created me in his image. And he knows everything that's going on in our hearts and minds. And what he wants us to do in moments of crisis and challenges to bring our hearts and lives to him in prayer and talk to him and ask him for his help. And if we have a problem, if we have a challenge, if we have a crisis or an obstacle in life, whatever that might look like, God is the one that we need to come to. Verse 15 says that Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. That was the name he gave to this altar. He said for hands were lifted up to heaven, were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. So when the battle was over and they defeated the Amalekites, Moses built an altar to offer a sacrifice in worship to God. And he called it the Lord is my banner. The book of Exodus was originally written in Hebrew in the Bible and in Hebrew this phrase is Yahweh Nisi and Yahweh means Lord and Nisi means banner and the word Nisi literally means to raise up high and to be conspicuous and the point that Moses was trying to make as he gave this special name to this altar what he was trying to get at was that He was lifting his hands to heaven, symbolizing to everybody around that they were dependent on God and they were dependent on the power of God to be at work. It wasn't themselves that they were dependent on. They were symbolizing. They were signifying that they were dependent upon God. Part of what Moses was doing as he stood on the hill and lifted his hands to heaven in prayer was making a statement. He was pointing upwards and saying, that is where my help comes from. It's from God. It's from heaven that my help comes from. There wasn't any magical power in holding up his hands or in holding up this this big staff of God, but it was a symbol. It was a way of outwardly demonstrating that the Israelites depended upon God, that the Israelites dependence was upon God. Lifting our hands up, putting our hands together, standing up, kneeling down, closing our eyes. None of those things makes our prayers more powerful or more effective. That's not their point. It's not some kind of sort of lucky charm that we do. That's not what we're what we're trying to do. What Moses was doing was symbolically stating that he was dependent upon God. That's what he was doing. He was outwardly demonstrating that by raising his arms to heaven. And if you've printed off your outline today and you've got it on your lap at home, then I want you to write that on your outline. Prayer demonstrates my dependence on God. Prayer demonstrates my dependence on God. When we choose not to pray, apart from anything else, what we're actually saying is, I don't need you, God. I can do this on my own. And as we read through the Bible, one of the things that we find is that Satan, who is the enemy of God and the enemy of all who love God, Satan wants us to believe the lie that we can live independently of God. We don't need God. That's the lie that Satan tries to get us to believe. But God created us to live in a wonderful relationship with him and to be dependent upon him. Sin is basically us saying to God, I don't need you and I don't want you. I'll live life my way. I'll do it my way. Whereas when we pray, what we're doing is we're demonstrating our humility. We're saying, I need you, Lord. We're showing our need of God. We're accepting and we're announcing that we need God because we do, whether or not we pray. Even if we don't acknowledge it ourselves, we need God. We weren't created to live independently of God. And when we fail to make prayer a priority for our own lives or for the life of this church or for the life of this nation, then what we're saying by default is I have no need of God. I don't need you, God, or this church doesn't need you. And the Bible has a word for that kind of attitude, that kind of stance of our hearts. And that word is pride. And the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves before God and acknowledge who he is and how much we need him, the Bible says that he gives us grace. And grace is simply when one person treats another person in a way that they don't deserve. And God's grace is God treating you and treating me in a way that we don't deserve. And this verse here says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. He treats with favor those who humble themselves before him. And so when we humble ourselves before God, he treats us in a way that we don't deserve. He gives us his grace, his special unmerited favor. But when we're proud and when we refuse to pray and refuse to come to God, then we find ourselves and we put ourselves in a dangerous place because God opposes the proud. See, when we choose not to pray, when we choose not to attend church prayer meetings, when church prayer meetings aren't a priority for us, then we signal by our very actions that God isn't actually a priority for us when we look at the life of Jesus we read that he prayed so often he lived a life that was completely dependent day by day hour by hour upon his heavenly father and that's where our God that's where our father wants us to be he wants us to be down on our knees not always physically down on our knees but in a kind of The attitude of our heart to be on our knees before him, dependent upon him, telling him the problems and the challenges we face in humility, acknowledging that we need him. And as individuals, as families, as a local church, as a nation, we face a major crisis at this time. There's a lot of things that God wants us to do in the midst of this crisis. We looked at that last week. You can you know, put notes through your neighbor's letterbox and and offer them help and go shopping and phone people and and text people and and do whatever we can within the, the kind of limits that the government has set. We need to obey the authorities. We are subject to the authorities. We need to do that. We need to submit to what the government is saying. But whatever we can do within that framework, we should try and do as we try and help one another. Lots of things we can and should be doing as individuals. And as a church, but one of the key things that God wants us to do in a moment like this in a crisis is to pray. He wants us to pray individually, He wants us to pray as couples, He wants us to pray uh, as uh, groups our in our home groups He wants us to pray as families together. He wants us to pray as a church, and we're going to be looking at ways in which we can have live online prayer meetings as a church in the coming a few days so that we can keep prayer right at the very heart of church life in the coming weeks and months so watch out for that if you're at Regent watch out for the emails that come through uh, we'll be giving you information on how you can log on how you can access that and how we can have a virtual online prayer meetings try to replicate as much as possible the experience that we normally have in a prayer meeting it's so important that we keep praying together as well as praying on our own at homes it's not just the coronavirus that we face, the challenge of the coronavirus that we face as a church. We've got some seriously ill people in our uh, church family that need prayer. We've got some significant challenges as a church, our major building project, which we need uh, significant funding for. Uh, We've got the ongoing never-ending challenge of reaching lost people all around us with the good news about Jesus that we so desperately need God's help and anointing for. But prayer isn't just a matter of symbolism. It's real. Look at what happened when Moses actually prayed in verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Moses' prayers had a direct influence on the physical battle that was going on down below. Now, let me be really honest here. I don't understand all the ins and outs of prayer. There's a lot of mystery in prayer that we just don't fully understand as human beings. I don't understand how my prayers, I don't understand how our prayers can change what happens. But when I read the Bible, as you work through the Bible, what I find, what we find is that prayer really does make a difference because it says it does. And we find the accounts of numerous instances where people pray and God moves in response to those prayers sometime later on in the account of the Israelites in the desert we read that they sinned in a terrible way and we'll look at that in coming months as a church together and God was about to wipe them out for their sin but look at what happens but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God oh Lord he said why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand Moses prays to God and asks him to change his mind, to change what he was about to do. And look at what God does in response to Moses' prayer. We read this. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. God changes what he's about to do in response to the prayers of one man. When we read the Bible, when we study the history of the church over the last 2000 years, we come to the same conclusion that our prayers really can change things. My prayers can really make a difference. My prayer can change things right on your outline. If you've got an outline in front of you, my prayer changes things. So we've got lots of things that we need to pray for as a church and there's, that's always going to be the case and we need to keep on and be persistent as we do that. But here's the catch. Prayer can be and is often really hard work. Sometimes we get instant answers to prayer and when that happens, that's amazing, that's fantastic. But at other times, we may never see God respond in the way that we would like to. And one of the reasons we don't always get what we would like when we pray is because actually God knows best what's good for us. If, if we got everything we ever asked for, Actually, our lives could be quite a mess. God knows what is best. Sometimes God does grant our requests, but it takes a long time. We have to wait. We have to be patient. Look again at Moses. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Moses is praying to God. He's crying out to heaven for the Lord to help them in battle. And he has to do this all the way through the battle. He doesn't just pray once and then go out and leave it. He has to keep on praying all day. And he gets really tired. Just try holding your hands up uh, for a few minutes. They really ache, don't they? Just when you're sat at home, everybody in the room, just put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air and just keep them up there. Put, put, Put them right up in the air. And after just a few seconds, maybe I'm the only one who's experiencing this, but they start to ache, don't they? All the blood starts to pour away from your hands, and your arms start to ache, and it's it's achy and it's not very pleasant. And you know what? Some of you in your personal lives are aching in prayer because you've been praying for something for years, not just a few days, not just a few months, but perhaps for years, and nothing seems to be happening. As a church, we're aching in prayer because we've been praying for God to break through in our local community for years now. And we have seen people saved and we see people saved on a regular basis, but we just love to see so much more. We'd love to see so many more people coming to know Jesus as Savior. We've been praying to God to enable us to extend the building for a few years now. And at times it seems as though we're just not making any progress. But look at what Jesus has to say on this matter. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And we haven't got time to look at the actual parable Jesus told, but the point of the story is right at the beginning. He told them the story so that they would not give up, that they would always pray, that his followers should do that. We need to be committed to praying, and we must be committed to persevering in prayer. See, prayer requires perseverance. Write that on your outline. Prayer requires perseverance. If you've been praying for something for a long time, don't give up. Because Jesus is saying in this parable that part of the Christian experience is perseverance in prayer. It's part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, is to be persistent in prayer. And it's not the whole picture about prayer. It's not all there is to know about prayer. But it's partly about uh, in prayer. It's partly because God wants to see how serious are we? Do we really want this? Is this just a passing whim? And will we really trust him and will we really trust his timing? So don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on praying for those big issues and the small issues in your life. And and please keep on praying for this church and for your church at home and for our ongoing mission in this community as we try and reach lost people with the good news about Jesus. Now, sometimes we think that prayer is all we need to do. If we just pray, that will be sufficient. Some people almost seem to believe that once you pray, you don't need to do anything yourself, that God's going to do it all for us. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. Look at verse nine again. Moses said to Joshua choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands now as Moses was about to go up on the hill and pray he told Joshua to take the army out and fight now that might seem a little bit contradictory it might seem that Moses was lacking in faith I'm going to go and pray but just in case the prayer doesn't work you go out and fight I mean why pray if you're taking action yourself surely if Moses was praying and trusting in God then they didn't need to fight God would get rid of the Amalekites miraculously. Well, sometimes God does intervene in a miraculous way. He parted the Red Sea. He'd flag them with bread from heaven. But more often than not, he expects us to do what we can, but to seek his help as we do that. Verse 12 says this, Moses' hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So you've got these two things working hand in hand. And this verse teaches us a really important fact. On the one hand, you've got Moses up there on the hill, persevering in prayer, tired and, and keeping on going at it behaving as if the whole situation was totally dependent upon God and he was coming to God and it was totally down to God on the other hand you got Joshua down in the battlefield with the Amalekites and defeating them fighting as if the whole situation depended upon the army strength and these two things go hand in hand together sometimes we have no choice but to cry out to God and to trust him to intervene miraculously because there's nothing else that we can do But more often than not, God expects us to use our abilities, our wealth, our possessions, our strengths, our gifts, our talents, and to use those to deal with the situations we face, but to use them in a way that's reliant on God for success. So when we're faced with the challenges of life, we should pray as if it was completely up to God. Write that on your outline. We should pray as if it's totally down to God. We're faced with a challenge and we pray. We acknowledge our need of God. We get down on our knees. We cry out to him for help. And we keep on doing that and we keep on persevering in prayer. Why? Because we know that prayer changes things. Our prayer life should be sending out a message to God and to all around us that we are totally reliant upon God. Yet at the same time, we should work as if it was completely down to us. Write that on your own. We should work as if it was totally down to us. God doesn't want us to lock ourselves in a room and pray and never come out. There's a time for locking ourselves in a room and praying, but there's also a time for action. And God has given us the ability, he's given us brains and abilities to do things. And he expects us to use those abilities. Prayer and action go hand in hand together. It's like evangelism. As a church, we should pray knowing that we are unable to save anybody in our community. Only God can open people's eyes, open their hearts, and only God can save a person. So we pray and we cry out to heaven and we persevere knowing that God does answer our prayers. At the same time, we don't just pray and leave it at that. We get out there with leaflets. We run Christianity Explored courses. We have fun days. We have family nights. We have school assemblies. We have RE lessons. We get involved in door to door work, after schools clubs, and we work jolly hard as if it was totally dependent upon us. And these two things aren't contradictory. They're biblical. Moses prayed hard and Joshua fought hard. Prayer and action go hand in hand together. We shouldn't act alone the best evangelism programs in the world are useless without God's help. We need to pray, but we mustn't just pray. God expects us to rise up to whatever the challenges that we face and to act, but our action needs to be empowered with God's help through prayer. Moses prayed and Joshua and the Israelite army defeated the Amalekites. And we read, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And in a few times, In a few weeks time, we're going to continue to look at the account of the Israelites in the book of Exodus as they make their way to the promised land. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Nathaniel Ross is going to be speaking and helping us focus on the cross of Jesus as we run up towards Easter. But today, I don't know what challenges you face in your life. I know the ones that are in mine. I know the ones that our church faces. And. We obviously have an incredibly big challenge as a whole nation as we battle with the coronavirus at the moment. And that national and international battle will involve millions of individual battles. But whatever our challenges are, we need to respond to them with prayer. We need to respond to them with prayer because when we pray, we're going to the one person who can do something about them. And when we pray, we're demonstrating our dependence upon God. We're showing humility. We're we're saying to God, I need you. I need your help. Prayer changes things. Please believe that because the Bible teaches that. But prayer requires perseverance. We need to be prepared to stick at it. Now, it may be this morning that you're not a Christian. You've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and thanked him for dying for you on the cross. The biggest enemy that you face in your life is sin and death. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just as we receive our wages for our work at the end of a week's work or at the end of the month. So the wages of our sin or the outcome of our sin is death, physical death and spiritual death. We all know what physical death looks like, sadly, but spiritual death means to be separated from God and from all that's good forever. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, then the greatest crisis that you face, the greatest enemy you face, isn't the Amalekites or the coronavirus, it's your sin and your death. But the amazing, phenomenal good news of the Bible, what we call the gospel message, is that if we humble ourselves, and if we come to God in prayer, humbly on our knees, and if we acknowledge our sin, and if we ask Him to forgive us, and surrender our lives to Him, then He gives grace to the humble. As we humble ourselves, he will treat us in a way that we don't deserve. He will pour out his grace upon us. He will give us the most amazing gift through Jesus, the gift of eternal life, the gift of Jesus himself in actual fact. And it may be that you want to take that step today. And if that's the case, you can do that right now. And if you take that step today, then you can indicate that uh, if you're watching on the interactive version of this, you can indicate that live on screen right now, or you can email me at andy.regentchapel. At gmail.com and i will be delighted to get back to you this afternoon or tomorrow whenever you email me and to follow that up with you and to help you take your next steps in following jesus we need to persevere in prayer prayer is all about demonstrating our involving god in our lives it's about saying i'm humbling myself before god god i need you and each one of us no matter who we are where we're from whatever our situations we all need god we all need His help in our lives. We need to come humbly and submit ourselves to Him and acknowledge that we are His creatures made for a wonderful relationship with Him, and to come humbly and bow down before Him and involve Him by praying and involve Him through praying in our lives. So we're going to do that just now. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I want to just close your eyes if you want, if you're comfortable doing that. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to bless us and to be with us. And then the guys are going to, uh, Daniel's going to lead us again in a time of worship. Father, we come to you now and we thank you that we can do just that, that we can talk to you. We thank you that uh, we, your creatures, your people are able to talk to you. We thank you that you've made that possible. You've given us this wonderful relationship with you through the Lord Jesus. And through his death, we can have a relationship with you. We can call you Father. We just praise you for that. Thank you that we can pray uh, at any time. We can bring our lives to you. We can involve you in every aspect of our lives and help us to be a praying people. Help us to be those who... Uh, come to you on a daily basis and humble ourselves, acknowledging our need of you and just asking you and uh, asking for your help day by day, involving you in every aspect of our lives. Father, we pray uh, for those in our church at the moment who are struggling. We pray, Father, for your healing hand upon uh, different people who are str- who are struggling and suffering great illness at the moment. We pray that you comfort and strengthen people who are facing all kinds of challenges and crisis. We pray, Father, for our region, for our nation, for our world. Even at the moment that Father, as this terrible virus uh, works its way around the world, we pray that You would protect people. We pray that You give great skill to the doctors and the scientists, and we just pray that in the midst of all this, people will find comfort in You and find You um, as their Father. We pray that You'll be with us in the week ahead, and Lord, as perhaps lots of us are, uh, all of us are isolated and and perhaps uh, seeing very few people and just uh, stuck in our homes we pray that you would help us help us to get on well with each other help us just to uh, keep our eyes on you day by day and help us to put you first in all that we do so bless us now we pray and we just ask this in jesus name amen